This is Religion Today with Martin Tanner, a weekly look at religion and spirituality here at home and around the world. Now, here's your host, Martin Tanner. Welcome. This is Religion Today. I'm your host, Martin Tanner. Today's message is occasioned by a great email that I had this last week from a caller who asked about what to do when we see things that seem to be a conflict between science and religion. He specifically brought up the LDS idea that the Garden of Eden was in the United States. And, of course, that could be extrapolated to other issues like evolution. How does evolution fit in with religion? And how about the book of Genesis? And science and religion, interestingly enough, both seem to be, purport to be, on a genuine quest for truth. And yet they have such different approaches. What do we do with that? Well, before you decide that religion is wrong because it violates scientific pronouncements, or before you decide to completely toss out science because its pronouncements violate certain religious precepts, take a step back and think about this concept. Science is always changing, and extrapolation of data that is imperfect often leads to different results. It's pretty near impossible to take any scientific pronouncement today and compare it to the state of affairs in that same discipline 20 or 30 or 50 or 100 years ago and say they are the same. What I'm trying to say is that 50 years ago, if you had looked at religion and said, oh, it doesn't agree with today's science, and you had tossed away religion, you would have done it for something that would have changed later, and the science was wrong. And so it goes. Religion is not worth tossing out the window because science contradicts it, because science is always changing as well. By the same token, there are some areas of religion that people seem to read, at least in my opinion, a bit too much into. great example of this would have been Bishop Usher, who looked at the book of Genesis and was able, he thought, to calculate that Adam and Eve and the earth were created about 4004 BC on such such a date at 2 p.m. I, I don't remember the exact time or, or date, but he had it all figured out. I don't believe you can do that from the book of Genesis. Not only that, we have different ideas about precisely how old the earth is that have been read into the book of Genesis. I don't believe God has told us in Genesis exactly how old the earth 
is. Furthermore, it's really important to understand that, in a certain sense, even though science and religion are on a quest for the truth, they're both looking for different kinds of truth. Religion doesn't really care too much about botany and zoology and anthropology, math, or any of the other sciences. It really cares about human relationships, and particularly between humans and God, but also amongst themselves, humans amongst themselves. And science looks for different things. Does that mean that science has no value if you're very religious? On the contrary. Does that mean that religion has no value if you are a real scientist? On the contrary. There are certainly some who are religious who have no time for science and some who are scientific who have no time for religion. But there have been some great scientists in our church. One of the more notable examples would be James Talmadge. Uh, there are a number of professors. Professor Iring would be a great example, and many, many others who have done a great deal of scientific research and made a great deal of scientific effort. And the whole idea of science and religion somehow um, being forever separated, I, I don't think will be the case. My wise mother said once a long time ago when I was actually in grade school, you know, just after the Civil War or something close to that, uh, she told me that I shouldn't worry about things like that. She was a biology major. She told me that science and religion, ultimately the truth in each, could never contradict I thought that was a very wise statement. The truth in religion and the truth in science will always complement each other. So where do we go with science and where do we go with religion? Uh, at this point, let me poke a few holes in some of the ideas that are out there in both of the camps. There are many who say that the Bible tells us precisely how old the earth is and that as a result we can't believe the earth is any older than that. There are many early Latter-day Saint church leaders who talked about how old the earth was and believed that it was a great deal older than just 6,000 years. There are many who believe in science, who believe very strongly in the existence of God. One of those was Albert Einstein, who 
when talking about quantum mechanics, once said that he did not believe that God played dice with the universe. Meaning he didn't think God left the entire universe up to chance. What he didn't perhaps quite realize was that quantum mechanics allows for free will to exist in the universe. There have been many experiments in quantum mechanics that show that the influence of the observer on an experiment is, is perceptible and that the outcomes are different in certain ways depending on the observation that's being made by the observer. So let's talk about a few different concepts. One of these is, is evolution. One of these is creationism within religion. Another one is the age of the earth. Another one is the age of the entire universe. We'll talk about these in some other concepts, including what do we do with the order of creation in Genesis when it says that the earth was created before the stars and the sun? How do we reconcile that with science, or do we need to? And what do we do with evolution and with the idea that God created man in his image? Some fascinating topics, ones that I have enjoyed a great deal over the years. Stay tuned. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. If you're just joining us, we're talking about science and religion. We'll be right back. Religion Today with Martin Tanner continues on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. We're back. I'm Martin Tanner. This is Religion Today. We're talking about science and religion, where they seem to be in conflict and where they seem to overlap. We talked about some of the basic backgrounds, now down to some of the nitty-gritty and some of the problems that both seem to have with the evidence that's out there. First of all, we have in the church these scriptures that say, that God created man and that man was the first of the creations. He was the, Adam and Eve were the first uh, of creations. They were the first humans and the first flesh also. That is generally interpreted to mean that Adam and Eve were the first living animals if you call humans animals, on the earth, that there was no flesh, if you will, prior to that. Flesh may, however, mean people. And so Adam and Eve were the first people, but there were animals around beforehand. Many times in scriptures, especially with the chiastic and other Hebrew uh, poetic styles, you have something said twice. That may be the case for emphasis in this particular uh, verse in the Pearl of Great Price, saying man 
Adam and Eve are the first people, and the first flesh also may be just a way of saying the same thing two different ways. One of the other possibilities, though, is that they were the first people and the first living creatures on the earth, and that somehow science has things wrong. It would not be the first time from the evidence that science got something significantly wrong. One of the more interesting examples of that is that if you take a look at uh, paleontology, the study of human origins, and compare what is taught now with what was taught 10 years ago, and then 20 years ago, and then 50 years ago, you will find that it is radically different. And I would submit to you that it's likely never to be resolved because it's a bit like finding two or three pieces of a 5,000-piece jigsaw puzzle, if that many pieces, and then trying to reconstruct the entire puzzle from it. We have so few fossil remains that it's virtually impossible for that to happen. But having said that, the fossil records that we do have flat out, there is another way to say it, contradict Darwinian evolution. Now, I know somebody's swerving off the road right now, but let me explain to you why I say that. Darwin predicted slow changes based on mutations that would happen randomly over time. And he predicted, although it was completely unknown at his time, that with further excavations that fossil records would prove his theory correct and that there would be slow, gradual change, one species to another, and so on and so forth. Well, we do have more fossil record now, enough to know that that view of things is incorrect. Specifically, and you know what, at this point I ought to toss out a great resource. I don't know how easy it is to find anymore, but there was this fabulous overview for the lay community of the current unrest in the field of evolution in a great Time Magazine article. I'm often not a fan of Time Magazine, but this was a great article. December 4th, 1995. So you can see it's dated. In three years, it'll be 20 years old. But that particular article, if you can get your hands on it, has on the first page, on the cover actually, this statement. Quote, new discoveries show that life as we know it began in an amazing biological frenzy that changed the planet almost overnight. Close quote. Now, we don't have time to go into the article in great detail, but the gist of it is that it has this great little timeline which gives you this visual image of how life as we know it sprung out of nowhere during a short little time frame in Earth's history 
that is incompatible with the slow, steady, progressive change predicted by Darwin. As a matter of fact, the evidence to the evolutionists, as interpreted by them, is that nearly all kinds of life on Earth, all the phyla, except I believe one, sprung within five or ten million year period in the Cambrian period, at the beginning of the Cambrian period, to be more precise. Now, all that information led a wonderful man who I actually spoke with once uh, many years ago, Professor Stephen Jay Gould at Harvard University. He was a, he passed away in 2002, a, a delightful man, a strong believer in evolution, who saw this evidence and together with another professor, Niles Eldridge, who's also curator of the American Museum of Natural History, saw this evidence and had to come up with a new explanation for evolution because the Darwinian model would not work and they called it punctuated equilibria because the fossil records showed that species remained the same for long periods of time, equilibrium, and then there was a punctuated change, almost immediate in the fossil record. So it was a punctuated equilibria theory. Now the mechanism for this remains completely unknown, but that does describe the fossil record. So evolution, according to paleontology and evolutionary biology, frankly, the fossil record does not fit evolution as known today. And then you get to other issues with science as known today, and you will find out that the current belief system of science is that the Earth is and the universe are about 12 to 14 billion years old, but hmm, stars are 15 to 16 billion years old. Now, how could stars be older than the universe in which they are found? That question just can't really be answered at present. But then you look at scriptures also, and you find that there are definitely some question marks. I'll leave it as question marks. If you look at the book of Genesis, it has the earth being created before the sun and the stars. Possible? Not possible? Well, that would be difficult. But I would point out that the point of Genesis is that God created everything, not so much that it's a great list in proper chronological order of all of the creation that happened. I guess in conclusion, the point that I'd like to make is that we don't have all the answers. We must walk by faith, both in science, when it comes to religion, in the age of the earth, and how creation took place, and in religion on those very, very same issues.